Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey friends, this is Matthias Roberts, and you're listening to Queerology, a podcast on belief and being. This is episode 124. As you can tell, we're figuring it out. Like, I don't yeah. really know. I just know there's a difference. Like, there's like a knowing. I know there's a difference between religion and spirituality, but I'm yet, I'm learning, you know? Melissa Weiss and Palayo Alvare are the hosts of the Forbidden Apple podcast, a podcast which creates space for LGBTQ plus people to reclaim their spirituality, whatever that means to them. Melissa grew up in the Hasidic Jewish community in Brooklyn. Although she's since left and come out as queer, she adores her family and the community she was raised in. Through her work as an actor, producer, and writer, she aims to uplift the voices of marginalized people and communities, with the goal of honoring and respecting those who do not look like her, love like her, or pray like her. Palayo is originally from Spain and was raised Catholic. He now lives in New York City and works for the United Nations in the field of international relations and global affairs. He's passionate to discover how different people around the world live their spirituality. He also has a YouTube channel where he curates life-changing ideas with a fun twist. I am so excited to have Melissa and Palayo on the show today. If you're not listening to the Forbidden Apple podcast, it's beautiful. They're doing really interesting and fun interfaith work over there. And it's just lovely. So we're getting into like why they started the podcast, what they've learned. I mean, all of those things, plus some of their stories. It's a really fun conversation. I learned a lot from them in this conversation and I'm really excited to share it with you. No announcements today. So let's just go ahead and dive in. Palayo, Melissa, welcome. Thank you for having us. Hi. I am so excited to be chatting with you both. I'm just thrilled to have you here. So thanks for joining me. We're happy to be here. We are yeah. so excited. I just feel like since I've been in the podcast, since we've been in the podcast, the reference has been your podcast and now being here, it's really, really cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm thrilled and, and we can get into all the amazing work y'all are doing. But to start, um, this is the question I ask everyone. How do you identify... And how has your faith helped form that identity? I identify 
as a global citizen. I feel like I'm never really attached to the pronouns that I use. I am in a group chat with my Spanish friends where, as you know, like gender is much more marked in the wording and in the language. And uh, I've come to being okay with being called uh, with the feminine, like todas, for example. So when you ask that question, my mind didn't really go to, to my pronouns, not resting importance from them, just however they don't, uh, it was not what came up to my mind. I've always felt like, like borders do not really affect me that much. I've had a little bit of more and more or a difficulty to associate with uh, a particular nationality or space. I just like to see things very broadly. And I feel like that informs my faith because my faith in, in a lot of, it has a lot of focus in, in learning about other faiths, about other spaces, about other ways of understanding spirituality. And it's less marked by a particular dogmatic belief. And I think that it's also very connected with my global view of the world because the more that I travel and the more that I get to know people from different cultures, I just get more surprised and, and I see things that resonate with me in many, many other faiths. So I'm willing to observe, to learn from each of them and uh, keep incorporating things into my spiritual toolbox to keep growing as a person. I really like that idea of spiritual toolbox. I don't know that I've heard that term before. <laughs> okay, just so you know, Pillai created this spiritual toolbox that you can find on our website. Oh, and it'll cool. guide you to like find your own spiritual toolbox. So it's a big thing with Palayo. It's a real thing. Like it's a big thing with us, you know? Gosh. Okay. I definitely want to hear more about that. Yeah. That's, I, I love that idea. I'm, <laughs> I'm debating with myself whether to go that direction right now or to hear your answer, Melissa. So. <laughs> I just identify as a human being who's trying to like make the world a little bit better. So that means for me, it's like giving people a voice, using my voice to like help others, elevate others' voices. But that's kind of, and to normalize the idea of otherness and to make it okay that not everyone's like us. And yet we share that we have the same needs and we're all human beings. We all want love and acceptance and to live a full life. So I have a really big aversion to boxes. So it's a little hard for me to be like, I identify as this and that, you know, unless I'm specifically asked for like my pronouns. But when you ask how I identify, I think that's like my most truest answer today. How does your faith kind of play into that? You know, I grew up really religious, right? So I grew up Orthodox Jewish, Hasidic Jewish in, in Brooklyn. And what I really liked about growing up is, and what I take with me now, leaving behind the like dogmatic religious everyday beliefs and rituals, I really like the principles, the guiding principles uh, and the values that I was raised with, which is really about looking out for each other, really about community, about love, about acceptance, about not judging somebody else, not gossiping. There's all these things that I was raised with and about being like trying to make the world better. And it's a very, in my head, it's like connected to my Judaism. Like that's kind of how I practice that. You all have this podcast, The Forbidden Apple, where you you talk about, I mean, these, these intersections of, of religion and spirituality and queerness, LGBTQ identity. I, I'm so curious, like, 
one, how did this podcast come to be? Like, I, I mean, what kind of got you into this world of, of bringing these two things together? I think that we always had this need to have deep conversations <laughs> and uh, philosophical conversations about topics that are not black and white that can be discussed. And uh, since sometimes in society, there's not that much that, that space to have nuance and to have um, an opinion that may not be uh, on one side or the other. We really want to take that with us. And uh, religion at that point, I mean, any conversation about religion can be like very fascinating. And given our backgrounds and where we were from also, I feel like the place where we were at that moment in our lives, on one hand, on religion was was because I, I was this kind of like deconstructing the Catholicism, uh, Catholicism, not the Catholicism, <laughs> um, in a way that I understand now, but I, I don't think I understood that I was deconstructing it back then. And on the other hand, as an LGBTQ member of the community, finding our space, my space, in order to advocate for the our rights with something that resonated with how I like to do things uh, and perhaps like marching at that point or doing things that are more quote unquote activism were not in my mind. And uh, we thought that uh, this was a, a good way to to jump into that. It's interesting. Both Palayo and I felt like we weren't either connected enough to community, but how do we do so in a way that feels authentic to us and not just this activism like everyone's doing because that didn't or can't organically, that's not how we organically make change in our lives. And it's not how we generally operate in the world. So like, we're not on the ones that are marching in that way. We're like, how can we use then our strengths? And what we enjoy is talking and getting to a deeper meaning and and connecting and again, giving people a voice. And so coming from the backgrounds that we come from, since I grew up really religious, there's like a, almost like an obsession with religion, trying to understand it. And like Palaya was saying, deconstructing it, which I didn't hold a language for that either. But there's this obsession of like, why? And what is it that makes people so passionate about it? And, and, and how it, does it help people's lives? And and then how are people living without that? And what helps them in their lives? And what are the values that we did take along? And, you know, like, and deconstructing what's religion, what's spirituality, what's faith, like these different elements for ourselves and also kind of for others. And what I find really interesting in the podcast is that no matter what religion people come from, the other parts, the like spirituality and faith, it's very similar. It's like all the same. And even the religions are very similar. But like the actual underlying part about wanting to be a good person, trying to do the best you can, trying to be as much, especially as queer people, to like, we've seen that like things aren't so black and white. So then how can we be more accepting of others? So that's been like the journey that we're on with the podcast. It's so interesting because for... For y'all, like something that I so appreciate about what y'all do with your show is that you really focus on this kind of broad spectrum of guests of different religions, of different expressions of spirituality. I feel like with queerology, like just because of my own context, you mostly sit in the Christian world. I'm trying to break out of that a little bit, but like that's just kind of the world that I sit in. Whereas y'all are really doing this on a much broader level. And so, I mean, I wonder, like, that, that spiritual toolbox idea, like, this is such a broad question, <laughs> but, like, what are you even learning from 
having these conversations with with people from faiths who are maybe similar to yours, different from yours, like like I'm not even sure what I'm asking there, but that toolbox idea is is really sticking out to me. What are you putting in your toolbox? So I feel like I was thinking, closing the question that we just had, I think it's also really important that I came to an understanding of how important uh, religion is in the fight for LGBTQ rights. I feel like a lot of times we kind of like disregard that as a community and think that it's just something of the past and perhaps because of all the damage and all the trauma that has been done to us through it or uh, because of just thinking of something very traditional and that not aligned with LGBTQ values, which I feel like through the podcast I've discovered that cannot be further from, from the truth and that we really need to um, take it into account in our fight and incorporate it because if we don't change that, we, we really will will stay behind. But once that uh, talking back about the the toolbox and, and what we're learning, this is one of the things that I've learned through the through these two years of of the podcast. But however, I think like it always comes back to take things that work from you in not only this this process of religion but also many other uh, just like artistry or uh, anybody who has a craft will understand that like there may be methods there may be guidelines but you will need to construct your own way of understanding that in order to become a master of your own craft so I think that my biggest takeaway is that one. How can we, in the, the spiritual toolbox of the Forbidden Apple is a lot about breaking down what are these kind of like different tools that will be able to individually us have an assessment and see what works and what doesn't for us. And through every interview, we get some clarification on some of the tools. Like just an example, I didn't understand a lot of the meaning of, of blessing because of how unintentionally it was done during my childhood. I didn't think that it had some meaning. I didn't think it related with me. And then one of our guests closed with a blessing, a blessing to our podcast, a blessing to us. And at that moment, everything turned like meaningful and it really made complete sense to have a blessing but um, up until all that time it was just basically my mom coming to me at bedtime and telling me to repeat some words that I really had completely dissociated from. Yeah it's really interesting to it's it's this way of like reclaiming words right and I think as queer people we've often reclaimed you know the word queer and the word there are so many things that we reclaim and in in a similar way although that's been used against us in a similar way to kind of understand that like the parts of religion that we we ignored or kind of th- not really ignored, kind of re- rejected because it was often used to like force us to do something like Palayo was saying, you know, like your mom making you say it, like you not having a connection and then kind of figuring out what can it mean for me? And it was so beautiful when our guest blessed us. It was such a beautiful moment. And we're like, wow, blessing can just be like anything. You know, it can just be being like this idea of being grateful and this idea of like putting good out in the world and putting, saying something kind to someone that you care about or connect with, you know, or just in general to human beings. It's really beautiful and interesting, like our personal journeys and what we're learning about ourselves as we're like connecting with others. Yeah, it's amazing. We're lucky to be able to do this. I'm curious because, I mean, Palayo and and Melissa too, like you're kind of bringing up this point of, of kind of like 
reclamation, but also the, this idea of, you know, for so long, queerness and religion, at least the, the overarching kind of story has been queerness and religion can't intermingle. And in reality, that's that's not actually true. Like, religion has had a huge part in the fight for, for queer liberation. But I'm curious, like, as you have these conversations, as you continue to talk to so many different queer people who have religious or spiritual practices, what are you noticing about, like, the integration of those two things? I think it's so individualistic. It's so, I think that what I think I notice is the way that, and we're just learning these terms, right? But the deconstructing that individuals have to go through. And like I mentioned earlier about the separation of what religion is and spirituality is, and then being able to be like, oh, this speaks to my heart. And this is what, how it was. These are the things that in my religious practice I can incorporate and I can make it speak to me. And Palaya also says this thing and that we adopted. Palaya is the brilliant one here. So yeah, I'm going to keep referencing it. She, she so. likes uh, complimenting me, so I don't I say anything back because I get blocked and then I just leave uh, us. I don't want to block you, but, but he really is brilliant. Anyway, so there's this idea of, Palaya has this idea about everyone making their own religion, right? Our new religion should be everyone comes up with their own religion. And there is so much of that in the reclaiming because everything around us is about religion. Like even if you were not raised religious, the, our, the country we live in is Christian for the most part, right? The, you know, in God we trust. I remember when I first left my community and I was like, why do our dollar bills say in God we trust? It's supposed to be church and state. It's supposed to be separate. Like what is happening, right? Everything around us is this concept of religion and it's how someone else perceives it to be. And so I think a lot of people have to like, we have to go through the deconstructing phase and be like, what does that mean for me? What do I know it to be? And it usually isn't, it often for me is what I'm understanding in people's journey and my journey is we kind of had to take a lot of distance in order to come back. You kind of had to go to one, you know, you were in one extreme, had to go to the other and then like find the middle ground and be like, this is what speaks to my heart. And it's interesting to see how people connect to the ones that they were raised with as well. Some people go on a different journey, but like I'm so much more connected to my Judaism and like I'm connected to my Judaism in a way like I was reading the New Testament with a friend of ours, uh, Liz Edmund, who's an Episcopal priest. Um, who's been also in this podcast. Who's yeah. been in your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love her so much. I and, love Liz. <laughs> right? She's amazing. And so we're reading the New Testament and it's so interesting reading with like a lesbian priest the New Testament connects me more to my Judaism. And I find that so enriching and beautiful. And, you know, many people, I feel like encountering others can connect you to the stuff that you were raised with because you understand it in a much bigger way. And it's not like that I think Judaism is the best. It's like, that's what I know. And now uh, the way that I'm interpreting things that I was raised with, I see it in a more global way, in a more humanistic way. And like, and it really enriches my connections with others. And because of my connections with others, it enriches my connection with myself. Does that make sense? I think it does, yeah. And Playa, I'd love to hear your answer to this. But but Melissa, I mean, you're making that point of kind of like spiritual versus religious. And and I, I mean, I've heard you say that a few times, and I'm pretty sure I know what you mean by that. But I'd be curious, like, even what that means to you, kind of what that separation is. Yeah, I think that there's this idea with religion of this is how you're a good person. If you follow these rules, this is how you're a good person. And sometimes the way that it's practiced can feel to, or felt to me contradictory, right? Because I was like, wait, 
that doesn't feel right or excluding somebody doesn't feel like I'm a good person. But just because I am told that this is how we live our religion, to me, that made me question. And that didn't feel connected to my soul. And like, so I feel like now the way I understand spirituality is more like what speaks to me on a deep level? What do I know is right? And what do I know is wrong? And part of that is moving things along, changing things in the religious practices or doctrines or like reimagining, you know, the Torah, reimagining the Bible, reimagining what it could be or the interpretations of it. How do we move it along? Because if the religion says to not like a group of people, how is that okay? And to me, spirituality, and I feel like religion should also be, it should be about helping people. It should be about being, doing the best you can to be a human being, the best person you can possibly be. And it should be about your individual strengths and listening to your gut. And I think often with organized, maybe that's the term, maybe it's organized religion in my brain. Because with organized religion, we're kind of giving our moral compass to somebody else. We're giving it over and being like, you tell me what to do. And oftentimes I think that takes away our our individual voice of standing up for justice. And so to me, spirituality is more individual than religion. But I'm excited to hear what you have to say, because as I'm talking, I'm like, Maybe my understanding of religion is wrong or not as expansive as it can be. Are you asking me that or Palaya? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're asking me that. Okay. <laughs> I am asking you that. <laughs> yeah. You're the queer thought, you know what I mean? You should know this stuff. <laughs> the table <laughs> turn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's so interesting because I, I hear that separation and, and I absolutely agree with that idea of, of like kind of religion being really the... Um, kind of the, the practice of it, for lack of a better term, and spirituality kind of maybe being the intention behind it. Oh, I like that, yes. And I always wonder, though, like I, I'm hearing you say this kind of how we give up our morality to organized religion versus more of an individual practice. And, and I hear that and always then begin to wonder around this idea of the collective, though, of, of what it means to be a person in community as well as an individual. And I'm not hearing you necessarily split those things, but that's where my mind starts going of, of wondering about the value of tradition or of being part of a collective while still being critical of it, right? Like, right. <laughs> can't mm-hmm. separate those things out. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it, it is very important to not just completely disregard uh, everything that uh, it's behind us because we are connected to a line of ancestry that has created us and made us mm-hmm. be in this moment here as we are. And many parts of our personality and how we act and who we are are defined by all that. So it would be a little bit hypocritical to just say, oh, tradition must go, everything. Because you are tradition. You were made from yeah. it. I mean, uh, it also like would be, we would be missing so much. Like there's so many beautiful things. Yeah. And like Melissa said, like you people, a lot of people that we have interviewed, they go back to yes. what that tradition. They go back to that origin. Yeah. Maybe the spirituality is like the... You know, it's not that spirituality and religion cannot go together, right? It's just that it doesn't have to. There are people that are like, I'm not religious, but yet their whole life, they're so focused on this kind of spiritual life and in ways that they're, that, you know, they're, they're meditating or they're, they're so like, and that to me is very spiritual and it's in the same level of spiritual to me as prayer, right? So I think that it's, it's not opposed, but it does not have to go together. So to me, the people that I found that can say, oh, I'm religious, 
are not always the best people. It doesn't mean that there aren't religious people that are amazing and really spiritual and really mean it and are really connected. And it also doesn't mean that you have to give away your moral compass. I just find that those are the flaws that a religious community groups can hone and harbor. I also think that like, I struggle with the concept of like communal stuff because there's so much beauty there, so much beauty right? I have such a large family and like, I miss sometimes feeling like I'm not living amongst them. Like I visit, but like, and which Palayo and I hope to create in, and, and are creating with the Forbidden Apple podcast is to create our own community, right? With shared values and and being able to have these conversations. But there, and there's something so beautiful. I just think that for me, I needed to find my own person to then be able to be like, oh, now I could be part of the collective. Yeah. And I feel like this is key because the difference that we're trying to make here, I think it's more about what does that community do? Like, is that community guiding you? Because we all all need mentors. We all need, yeah. you know, like in the medieval times, everybody had a master that taught them how to do whatever profession they had to mm-hmm. develop their whole lives to. And spirituality, it's also another place where we do yeah. need a, a community that guide us, some kind of leader that really allow us to flourish into our own selves. But it's when that leader or that community want to impose certain rules or center, certain, yeah, central rules into, into the people when that gets a little bit conflated and people may end up adapting things that they don't really believe in or that yeah. that doesn't really resonate with there's their personal. There's also hard, sometimes there's, sorry, there's, sometimes there's like a, like a really hard line that people draw, right? You're just like, this is not happening and this is not okay. And then other people's experience can be like, wait, but this this is who I am, right? Especially as like a gay person, right? So you're just like, they're saying that is not compatible, but then you're like, but, but I am. And sometimes things are so rigid because it's like, this is how the community is and this is how it needs to be. And that's where those religious spaces can can be harmful. And as you can tell, because I'm like, as I'm, I'm talking more, I'm like, am I even believing what I'm saying? Like, as you can tell, we're figuring it out. Like, I don't yeah. really know. I just know there's a difference. Like, there's like a knowing. I know there's a difference between religion and spirituality, but I'm yet, I'm learning, you know? Yeah, it is very conceptual. It is. And I wonder, like, Melissa, like that that sense of knowing that you're talking about, that feels at least true to my experience. And, and it feels like a, a lot of other people I've talked to, I don't want to speak for them. But I mean, as people are listening to this, as you are listening to this, like, you can confirm, I'm talking to our listeners there, like, whether this is true. It's actually Liz Edmond who makes this point in, in her book, Queer Virtue, that she thinks that queer people have a connection to the divine by being queer because this idea of kind of breaking boundaries or transcending boundaries as queerness is also part of the divine nature. And I love that idea because, you know, the statistics, at least there are some studies that kind of show that at least here in the United States, 81% of queer people grow up in some form of organized religion. Like, that's a massive amount. <laughs> yeah. So we know the harm, but you, you're you saying, like, we also have this knowing of there is something more. There is something spiritual about the world. Ross Murray, we had him on. Yeah. And Ross Murray is like, okay, so you know him, right? So Yeah, other some people may not, though. So, so okay, say so who he is. Okay, so he works is. for GLAD, and he also is a youth minister, and he started the Naming Project. And then he, we interviewed him about his book that just came out, so get it. 
He's amazing. It's called Made Known Made Loved. Known Loved. And he was talking about this beautifully, okay? So he talked about how, you know, because he works with youth, Christian youth, he uses like scripture and stuff to explain it. So he says, God made, let's say the land and the sea and God made night and day, but yet there's, we know that there's so much in between, right? We see that there's dusk and there's dawn and we see these shifts and there's also it's not just land and water. There's all these other bodies of, well, not bodies of water, but like mud and all these swamps and things that are not crystal clear. And I, as queer people, we have to, we we are, we see that because we have to see that. And so I love the way that he explained that of like night and day. I was like, this is amazing. Yes, God made night and day, but we know and we see there's so much within that. Yeah. And that that is not so black and white. And I think as queer people we see that in a way that's more yeah, just so much more possibilities and it's not just this like one end and the other end. There's so much in between that we have to recognize as queer people. And there's definitely I think so much value um like you were saying with Liz Ed- Liz Edmonds saying that queer people bring like more spirituality because I think we seek those things. And also like the universe is vast. It just like sometimes feels, you know, limited when we imagine it in such a rigid way. And I think because yeah. as queer people, you're having to deconstruct it, having to be like, wait, but I exist and I don't exist in that binary. Like, how do I figure that out? We get to see more and there's more vastness. And I, I think that's deeply spiritual. Alaya, do you have anything to add in there? No, I was just thinking that, you know, like if God created night and day, he also had to, she also, they also had to create uh, everything in the middle, right? Yeah. And I think that when you are not forced, like when you're a queer person, you have to, like Manny said, have a look at those non-binaries and those uh, places in the middle. But sometimes it's just too comfortable, you know, mm-hmm. to to not have a look at, at all that because it doesn't affect you directly because mm-hmm. perhaps, you know... Right now with LGBTQ people voting for Trump because it, maybe they're just a white person that doesn't see like other marginalized communities or any other occasions where you are not seeing that nuanced place in the world and then you understand, oh, let's just go for that. It can be very comfortable. It can be very comfortable to just lay in what you know and lay in the binaries. But I think that it's always worth it to explore everything else, the vast universe mm. that Melissa was referring to. Have you heard something on Queerology that's made a big impact on your life? Do you now follow one of my guests because you've met them here? Because of the format of Queerology, you get to meet people in a way that lets you relate and connect. There's something uniquely personal and intimate about the conversations that happen here. If this is something you've experienced, then help me keep these conversations going by making a financial gift and becoming a Queerology Active Listener. You'll get access to the Active Listener's Facebook group right away, a place for all of us to continue these conversations throughout the week. All you need to do is jump over to patreon.com slash Matthias Roberts. Choose your gift amount, and you'll be an active listener. It's really easy. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Matthias Roberts. I really look forward to meeting you in the Facebook group. As we're talking about this and this this kind of idea that y'all have of, of like the spiritual toolbox and the kind of creating your own religion, which, which is a fascinating idea, even in the context of this conversation of spirituality versus religion. So creating your own religion, there's like the little kid 
scared part of me that that like grew up in you know dogmatic <laughs> evangelical christianity that's like that's like what the fuck <laughs> like how how is how is any of this okay and and, and i'm i'm curious if you all still have those parts of yourself too we had this conversation just between the two of us yeah. and we talked about cherry picking about cherry picking right and people like i remember my sisters being like you can't just choose what you you can't just pick and choose and i think yeah you can you know? i love that <laughs> like i think people should be able to choose because cherry picking is like you get to say i like this and i don't like this well and cherries are delicious cherries yeah. are delicious that is true why do they name it cherry picking when you like take things apart? I don't know. But cherry pick cherries are delicious. I guess because some are good and some are not. So you cannot uh, just take the tasty ones. Because... But it's like that with grapes or something else. <laughs> anyway, if, if any of the listeners know, please just, you know, enlighten us. Um, but I think that like, so sometimes it's interesting because when you bring up about religion and we had just said religion is different than spirituality. It's something that Palayo and I have talked about so many times, right? We, we've rephrased it too. We used to say religion and queerness. And as we're learning, we're like saying spirituality. Part of it is because it's less of a trigger for people. But the concept of religion in the sense of that it, it kind of rules your whole day, right? So the way when I was religious and I grew up in my community, when, when I was growing up, from the moment I woke up to the moment I went to bed, Everything was guided by these religious practices. Every, like literally everything, right? So there were prayers, the way I wash my hands, saying prayers after like going to the bathroom and after, like before and after eating, like touching my face before washing my hands was not okay. The way I buttoned my shirt, literally everything was guided by that. And so I think when I think of saying let's build a no religion, I think I'm thinking of guiding principles. So spirituality still in my head maybe is more like this emotional idea, this intuitive idea, and 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 religion is more this like, what are the guiding principles in our lives? How do we live our day-to-day lives? So that's my that's how I think about it. But I totally hear you saying that your brain is like, ah, religion, you can't just make it up. Yeah. I feel like yeah. I'm not gonna lie. There are po- there are points where we like we have these conversations where it's like, oh, and what is the point of this? Or like where we get to like not really hundred percent sure that you can explain whatever we're trying to get to. <laughs> yeah. Or that like uh, have we gone too far that we just deconstructed everything and now we're just with like an unassembled uh, table that we cannot do anything with. <laughs> but I feel like there's the power in just getting lost and really exploring how that feels. And how do you learn to get back on your feet and get back on, okay, so now this is disassembled. How do we build it back? And perhaps it's a better shape. And we can always go back to the shape that it was before. Or maybe we can make something new. Or maybe we can make something new. So I think that's part of our process of of really letting go and uh, making sure that you get found along the way, I think. Yeah, I think also religion has this term of, I love what you said, by the way really smart. I just saw a table on our right. Yeah, I'm like thinking about this disassemble and I'm like, that's really clear with deconstructing. So there's also this idea, you know, people say there's like America, like there's the religion of money, right? There's all these. And again, I think these are guiding principles. How do we live our life? What, how far do we go? What are our choices that we make? Kind of our moral compass. What is it for us? And so that's part of that too, is this religion of, it's not necessarily this dogmatic way, or it's not like we're not making our own like Bible, right? It's more like, it's really the same thing as a spiritual toolbox. But to me, I see it as more of this is an overall, because it's hard to explain your spirituality. It's so hard to explain even religion. It's super hard. 
I think Belhaya is right. I think we deconstructed everything and we don't know yet. <laughs> We're figuring it out with you. And I, I love that because I feel like so many of us are in that place. I mean, even with that, like the scared little kid part of me, like the, the adult part of me, that which is so much bigger, is like, yeah, like <laughs> it makes so much sense. Like I'm, I'm right there with you. And I wonder if you would agree with this, because as you're talking, I'm, I'm hearing you kind of talk about all of this, you know, deconstructing that you're doing and being in a place of like, I don't really know. And, and then coming up with like your what your values are in your toolbox, the word that's kind of coming to me is like, or it's more of a phrase, we're discovering the why of what we want our lives to look like. Would you agree with that? Or does that feel true? That's a trick. It's interesting, Philip. What do you think? We're discovering the why, the why of our lives. Of what we want our lives to look like. Like why yeah. we want our lives to look that way. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I was thinking something I didn't share. I don't know why. But like a big conflict that I had in my life was that I think that values are given to you and unchangeable throughout your life. And I feel like that discovering the why it's finding all that. It's finding what morals rule your life. Are, are the ones that come from your tradition, like we mentioned in the in the past? Or are the ones that are, am I building for myself? <laughs> what uh, religious space do I want to be part of or not be part of? And finding that why is looking at all these pieces and, and incorporating them into our life, making it sense. Like a puzzle that makes sense and not just pushing pieces into the puzzle just for the... So finding that why, using that puzzle organically without pushing anything to to fit just for the sake of fitting it's interesting is it like creating a puzzle like you're you're, you're getting to see you're getting to decide what pieces matter yeah you, you you should and tapping into like what pieces you already have and how mm-hmm. you can create it like the shape similar to yeah the shape. i like that it's interesting you know for me why oh you know how many years i spent questioning oh, like God. that is all <laughs> i ever do like ever <laughs> And so to I, end up doing <laughs> a, a podcast about questioning a little bit more. Yes. <laughs> and so I have to say, like, we are not really finding I for me, it's not really about finding the answer of why, or it's more about knowing, like trying to make my world and my life be what I know it can be and how it feels right. So it's a little because the why sometimes I get in my head and it becomes this, and I, I love these conversations. But you're you are stating it in the what were you saying is it's it's about finding out the why of how we live, right? And I think for me, it's like I don't think I can find out the why, but I can find maybe it is. Maybe the why is because it feels good, because it feels right, because I know it to be true. Maybe that's the why. But I think for me, it's like getting stuck on the um questioning because that's all I do. For me, I try to trust just like my in just this deep knowing that I have, and I know what's right and wrong. And I just try to trust that based on the knowledge that I have, right? And I try to be open to learning, being flexible. It's hard being a human, you know? It's like all of us trying to figure it out, trying to figure out what does that mean? Because we all have biases. And then it's like, okay, so even my deepest knowing, how much of that is colored by these biases, you know? like, And so having this flexibility too. So I don't, I don't know. I, I like the points that you brought up. I don't know. What do you think? What, what's the why? Explain, explain what your thought process was there of like, what was it about the why that spoke to you? And, and not even so much like the way I'm, I'm thinking about it. And I, I think as I'm hearing you talk is not even to figure out like necessarily what the why is. <laughs> like, okay. Like, uh, it's being but, in the question. 
Yeah, but more like I, I think I can't remember what his name is, but but there's a there's a person who wrote a book called like Find Your Why or something. I mean this this idea mm. of I think I read that one. Yeah, of, of like once you know what your why is, it will make the how so much easier. And I feel like this spirituality conversation sits in more in that space of the why versus the how, although some people get stuck in the how. And so that's more where my mind was. And with the acknowledgement of like knowing what that why is and maybe in a concrete way is is really difficult. But at least we're in that area. Okay, I like that. Yeah, there's a there's a my therapist once gave me this quote that I had on my fridge plate. What was it? It said um, I don't remember the whole thing. Just live in the questions now. Perhaps one day you'll live into the yeah, answers learn, in the future. What was it? Don't focus on try to answer all the questions. Just focus on learning how to love them, and perhaps gradually at some point you will get to know the answers. Yes, in the future. it was something by... like that. Marie Rilke. Yeah. I don't know how to pronounce it. But yeah. And and I think part of that is because, again, like with me, I think just personally as it, it's such a, you know, it's been a problem. Like, again, I have to like learn that questions are okay. And, and at this point, I know that. But when I was a child, it was kind of like bad that I was questioning so much. Right. So it's part of that. And so the why to me maybe is triggering. So maybe it's like I'm not seeing it in the same way. But that is why my therapist was like, Okay, you know, just maybe you don't need to know the answers. One day you'll like live into the answers. So that's where my, but but I totally hear where you're coming from. And I actually think they're complementary to like what I was saying, right? It's like figuring out the why and like, but how do you figure it out by kind of knowing and like that growing and allowing yourself to learn maybe that could be it. I'm struck by for both of you, the amount of freedom it feels like you both have in asking these questions and, and kind of the, this creation of things in, in, in that work that you're doing, especially coming from the more rigid backgrounds that I think I'm hearing both of you were raised in. And it's making me really curious of, of how you even found that freedom. Something came up to my mind. I wrote some, I, I was telling to Melissa the other day how we had a conversation at her home and we were talking about resolutions, New Year resolutions. And I never connected with that because I felt like, oh, like, do I have to lose weight? Do I have to go to a gym? And then I came to like rephrasing completely my New Year resolutions. And I feel like one of my first New Year resolutions that I wrote uh, connecting with it was to be free, that I really wanted to be free, to, to face life with freedom and feel that I can do, I mean, not whatever I want to do, obviously, but like just really tapping into mm-hmm. uh, that freedom and and becoming that that self. And I think it's a, it's a daily practice. And sometimes we kind of like go, a, not go a couple of steps back, but like perhaps change our crowds. And I think like people are maybe a little bit like shocked or like they're not as, as free and yeah. uh, able to discuss about intimate we, we just jump into an intimate <laughs> conversation like like fast we talk about like religion politics sex like everything that they told you to not talk at the dinner table you know yeah we or just like, go tell me your trauma so yeah. child, <laughs> and all those things and sometimes it, it just pushes people like back but i think they like it also i i think so i think i think for me you know it was a struggle because it's something that i've done always and I don't know why I had the chutzpah to do it, which just means guts and like audacity to do it. But like, it was not okay in my community to continue doing it. Like as a kid, it was charming. But when I got older, it's like, just toe the line, you know? But there was a constant search for freedom that I innately have. 
And I don't know exactly where that comes from. And some of that is, I know, comes from like critical thinking that I was taught at a really young age, you know, like one of my earliest me- memories is my dad asking me, because we have a Hebrew birth, I have a Hebrew birthday and English birthday, right? So there's different calendars. So it doesn't come out the same every year. And so my dad would ask, were you born twice? And never answer the question, just were you born twice? And he kept asking this question every year until you were old enough to kind of go into a conversation about it. So some of that is just that, is that critical, like being like, I see another way, or maybe there's a different way to question. So I was raised with this idea of intellectual curiosity, mm-hmm. of not taking things at face value in the same way. But there was a, a, a deep need for freedom as a young age and got me into trouble as a you know a kid. And, and even in once I left, I thought, oh, the secular world is so much freer. And then you realize all these other boxes that people put themselves in and try to put you in. And it's a struggle. It's like a continuous struggle for me too. But there's a deep need for that. And I think part of that is I know that if I am free, I can help others feel free. And I think that is super important. People need to be able to feel free. And I think the opposite of freedom is shame. And I have so much, I just, the world would be much, much better. Yeah. Like I see the harm that shame causes and the the pain and the people feeling so alone. If you just, if you're allowed to be like, I know that when I am freer and if I just share it, like it's okay. Other people, like Pelai was saying, some of, like people open up and there's like, there's like a bright light in their eyes. And they're like, wow, this was such a like, you know, they get to be themselves and say what they're thinking on their mind without fear of, repercussions and like people might not like them, you know, and there's, and they're opening to question. It's not easy for everybody. Luckily, the people that we've had in our podcast have been very open to it. If you're freer, you're more spiritual. And again, freedom comes with responsibility and it doesn't mean free as in like do whatever you want. Yeah. Right. There's a freedom in questioning what you're raised with, seeing different points of view, knowing that many things can exist at once and allowing yourself to, to challenge yourself and know that you are much bigger than your idea of who you are. You know, and it's, again, we're like, I'm not an expert in that. I'm like learning about that. I just, yeah. And were you born twice? <laughs> no, I learned that I wasn't. <laughs> it was the same time that year, the calendar synced up that year, not synced up, that day I was born. And it's, and then, and every then year, from there, everything, from there, everything changed. Yeah. But it was, it was this, like, that's a really memorable thing to be yeah. like, to challenge it. And like, you know, if you'd come home, like, And you'd be like, this is what my teacher said. And my grandfather would be like, what do you think? And maybe go back to your teacher and say like, oh, but there's this way also, right? So there was constant, like, it's a little bit of a Torah digger, like a Torah kind of way of thinking, right? It's like a very Jewy kind of thing of questioning everything, you know, and challenging. So I applied that to other areas of my life, which they didn't love, right? But like, <laughs> I blame them. <laughs> The opposite of freedom is shame. I think so. What do you think? I've never heard it put that way before. But like the the moment you said that, there's something to me that deeply resonated with it. Mm. I don't think it's seen as direct opposites, but I think that that's, if people don't live freely in that way or feel free to be who they are, that means they're living with shame. Yeah. What other thing cages you? What other thing cages you? Exactly. I'm curious about like if, if we could then kind of apply that over the LGBT community in the sense of, I think as queer people, we often have a propensity to box ourselves in, in certain ways too, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. Like, I think it's so important that we find our people because <laughs> finding our people is, I mean, is so valuable. But also when we box ourselves in, 
<laughs> with 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 certain ways of being, fundamentalist kind of ways of being, then we can things can get really dangerous. And I'm curious if if you would see spirituality in the way that we're talking about it today as a way out of that. Yeah. In the way that we're talking about it is this very individualistic way of allowing ourselves to expand, to see our expansiveness, to see who we are, to to learn and grow. So that would take you out of a box, if especially if you have that freedom. So my answer, yes. Yeah. That's a great question. That's a great awareness. Uh, yeah. There's this quote that appears in this uh, the book of Glennon Doyle that she refers to selfish as like how trees are selfish, that they just grow into the biggest potential of themselves. Ooh, I like that. And uh, I really, really like that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like also calling people selfish for following like their own selves is, is, is also a great tool of oppression. Yeah. Because it can just be used for making people avoid going into being their own selves. And, and again, causing shame. And causing shame and causing risk to that particular yeah. community or... Yeah, I think there's also a, that's also a scarcity mindset, right? It's saying that like if you are, then if you shine and you're so, then I can't. Like somehow there's a fear of if you're fully yourself, what does it mean for me when it's nothing to do with you? But at the same time, like it's a good point. We want to find our people, so then we're yeah. like, wait, what does that mean? Hopefully, you can then see that as an opportunity for you to also look into yourself and be like, what would I like to do? How expansive can I be? But oftentimes, that way that it could be taken, and I think the harmful way of that is saying like, oh my, you have to change because this makes me uncomfortable mm-hmm. because I'm not willing to to look at it myself. It's a hard thing with like with communities and because often, again, in different ways, they become dogmatic, which is community has been such a trigger for me for so long because of that, right? Things can start and it can be wonderful. And then it starts to feel really, again, like in a box. This is how everyone here looks and dresses and thinks. And, you know, there becomes things that are normalized, like even st- like style, which is something that I remember noticing so much when I left the community being like, why is everyone wearing the same clothes? You're allowed to wear something different. I was told I couldn't, but you can. So why are you choosing to? And there's ways that we're not even aware enough sometimes to be to be questioning that. But there's like accepted ways of dress, or this is how we notice somebody is queer, or this is how, you know. Mm-hmm. And then if someone shifts, what does that mean? But yeah, I think if we're if we see spirituality as a way to be our truest, deepest selves and willing to grow, then we could avoid some of those. Yeah. I feel like yeah. that's why we came here to the universe. That's why like God or whatever higher power is put us here to really become the best that we become and then concurrently make the world also a better place. Yeah. Last question before I ask you to kind of plug your podcast in a more kind of concrete way. But, um, you know, as we're talking about all of this kind of creation, growing, asking questions, constructing, reconstructing, deconstructing, like all of that, we've touched it on in different places of like how much work that is. And I'm curious where you then have found spaces of rest while doing this work or have you? I feel like, I feel like <laughs> I am a little bit self-obsessed with self-development. I think it may be like mm-hmm. my, my disease, but I also find it spiritual to just have a beer with some friends and talk about life and things like that or I don't know. I don't know if I have many like rest spaces. It's just like a little bit lighter, no? Yeah, but I think that's the thing. I think seeing the space of 
this concept of spiritual being separate, right? I think that's something that also with, with very religious things, it's like, if you're having a drink with friends, it's not religious, right? But yet there's so many things like youth groups go, go on camps together. There's ways that we connect them what we need as human beings mm-hmm. and, and to let go. That is part, like you were saying, you can be spiritual as part of it being spiritual. So the active way of thinking, maybe that's a little bit like there's break from that. Like I'm not, we're not always in deep conversations like we are doing right now, which I love. So thank you for like this opportunity and thank you for talking with us. And like, I love hearing what you have to say and your questions are really making me think, but we're not always in that space. Like with our podcast, we're in that space. Sometimes with each other, we're in that space. You know, we help each other if we need something, you know, we'll discuss a concept or an idea or how we're feeling and we'll go into that space, you know, which I very much appreciate that we have that, but we're not always in that active space. So we are living like our lives, you know, like doing other things, but, but the underlying like understanding of the world doesn't shift there. It's still like, how do we act in those spaces and how do we bring about, you know, how, how do we help people f- even in that space of having a beer? We're still in that kind of consistent kind of idea of like not judging and making sure other people feel free and being as authentic as we can be. So yeah, it's a little hard. And also like I do get a little heady. And so I do like creative things I paint. And so that helps me. And we're also both actors. And so that helps me because I'm not fully, you know, it's it's a different state, which I still think is part of my spiritual life, but it's not these deep conversations. It's just experiencing and being so there's these ways that I, t- that I take a break and, you know, I watch TV. So <laughs> I take breaks. So for people who are listening to this and being like, I want to hang out with Palayo and Melissa more. Tell us about your podcast. How can people do that? Yeah, we're at the Forbidden Apple Podcast on Instagram. And you can reach out to us on email at the, the Forbidden Apple Podcast at gmail.com. Check out our website. We are all, all streaming platforms. You can listen to us. Very easy to find us. If you DM um, us, we reply. Mm-hmm. So like anybody, you know, come and hang out with us. Um, we we have our Patreon, the Forbidden Apple. Yes. And we welcome you there to help us keep creating good content. Mm-hmm. I also community. I also have a YouTube channel that I'm going to plug. It's Pelayo AF. Check it out. It's completely different from the podcast. It's more focused on basically comedy. But if you want to have some time... On downtime, so you should get to know him. I'm telling you, the world's gonna, <laughs> yeah, you won't regret it. And uh, what else? Yeah, that's it. Like, we're really, really always happy to connect with people, and hopefully, we'll continue. Like, we're working on con- on creating some pride events that are safe. So, if you want to, like, follow us on Instagram, you you we'll update you. We you can also sign up to our mailing list, and we'll update you. Um, so yeah, we're very excited to like have a community of like minded individuals. So if you are interested in, in in these kinds of conversations, come be a part of our community. I love it. Well, thank you both so much for joining me. This has been delightful. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you yeah. so much. I'm, I'm also super like I'm like I want to interview him now. You know, I want to ask you all these questions. <laughs> you ask such great questions. You have a very deep uh, listening mode. It really it really shows that you are processing everything that we're sharing yeah. and uh, coming back at us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, thank you. I, it's my job. I'm a therapist. So that's... <laughs> You're a therapist. Yes, that would make sense. Yeah. yeah. That, that uh, yeah. <laughs> Be sure to go listen to the Forbidden Apple podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find the Forbidden Apple on Instagram at the Forbidden Apple podcast. Melissa is on Instagram at Melissa Weiss, and Palayo is on Instagram at Palayo AF. Queerology is on Twitter and Instagram at QueerologyPod, or you can tweet me directly at Matthias Roberts. 
Queerology is made possible because of you. To find out how you can keep Queerology on the air by becoming an active listener, head over to patreon.com slash Matthias Roberts. A really easy way to support the show is by leaving a rating and a review. You can do that right in your podcast app or head to MatthiasRoberts.com slash review and it'll take you right there. As always, I'd love to hear from you. If you have ideas of what you want to hear in the show or just want to say hi, reach out. I'll get back to you. And until next week, y'all, bye! say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.